0: What your country? Tear down this wall. There is nothing wrong with America. He referred to my hands. If they're small, something else must be small. I guarantee you there's no problem. I guarantee
1: And we're back. Thanks for listening again. Oh boy, what a shit show this country is. I'll tell you, every time I think things have hit rock bottom, we go deeper. There's more rock to break through. Well, if you've been kept in a cave for the last week, you, uh, you wouldn't know, but uh, we're now keeping children in cages in this country. And not just kids, but kids who don't look like what this administration thinks kids are supposed to look like. I don't see them detaining people who come illegally and overstay visas from Australia, from Norway, from Poland, only from Latin American countries. So anybody who tells you in the midst of all of this this child separation... That this is not an inherently racist policy is a fucking ignoramus. That's exactly what this is. Baseline Republican behavior is racist. It's taken a long time to get to this, but it. at this moment in time, that's where we are. There is no other justification for these policies. There just aren't. Anyone who's saying that that separating families as a means to suss out the drug dealers or the cartel members just they're so detached from reality. I can't believe that I'm living in a country that is doing this sort of thing. And I hate to always use the the well the Nazis did this, but The Nazis did this. They did this. And they did it on the same sort of terms. Based on ethnocentrism. Based on outrageous crypto-anthropological conspiracies. In this case, the idea that all Mexicans are rapists and they're coming here to take all our jobs. It is... Outrageous. And you know, the thing and I, I constantly talk about this on this podcast and on Twitter, but the thing that fucking pisses me off more than than just the action is the fallback behavior of the people responsible who say, Oh, we didn't we didn't do anything. We didn't what? We didn't know we didn't know this was going on or worse what are you talking about there's those photos you're showing those aren't real this isn't happening none of this is real I don't to the best of my recollection I, I visited those facilities I never saw anything I saw kids with puppies that's the, the disingenuousness and the cowardice that comes with this is the worst part I want my villains to own Their villainy. What we're getting here is just a bunch of pussies. Excuse me for being so, you know, over the top here, but like, own it. Own it so we can all just at least talk on the same level ground. But if we know one thing about this administration and about the person at the top, Donald Trump, we know that they're not interested in having conversations. They are interested in furthering their agenda which we now once again have ringing truth that their agenda is racist their agenda is short-sighted their agenda is mealy-mouthed their agenda is for billionaires they're doing what benefits basically no one not even their constituents not even these These mouth-breathing Cro-Magnons stand to benefit from any of this kind of behavior. Nobody does. No one in any civil society of any race, creed, income-level, background benefits from their government treating anyone like this. Part of what makes America America is that we, we stood back and we said, you know what? this person's bad but they they deserve a fair shake it's called habeas corpus it's basically the law in which our country was was founded one of the primary laws giving giving people a fair shake and that and what's we're not even there we're not talking about that because the what we're talking about are children who are innocent but the the goodness of this country was founded on an equal opportunity in front of the law for everyone. And we have thrown that out the window. This idea that make America great again, I it's so disingenuous. And again, I, I just that's what really drives me insane. Is this fake victimhood, the lies the nonsense, the, the circle talk, projection, it's all bullshit. All of it. And it's about fucking time that everybody stood up and said, "I am sick of this. I am sick of the people in charge running around, acting like nothing's wrong when stuff that's happening is unprecedented in American culture, in American history. We should be ashamed of ourselves as, as Americans in general. Myself, I am ashamed to be American right now. I don't know about you. Anybody who says that they find this to be fair or just or good, those are people that I don't want in my society. I don't want them on this planet. <laughs> I think we need to divert resources into developing a space cannon that launches people who, who approve of or permit this sort of activity to load them into a cannon and launch them into outer space because they're not willing to be members of a functioning, democratic, free society. It's sick. Boy, well, I'll tell you, we've got, we've got a great show here. We've got Andrew Feinberg coming on. He's a White House press correspondent. He's going to talk with me, and, you know, it's not going to be that hopeful a conversation. Sorry. Uh, but times are dire, and I think you know that, and, and I think the best thing that we can do right now is to kind of rally around communicating and rally around the community that we have, which are people with brains, people with empathy, people with souls, and recognize that there are a lot of good people out there who want change and want things to be the way that they were to make America great again, if you will. So yeah, we're going to be talking with Andrew about, uh, about media and newspapers' role in this system. He's going to tell us a little bit about what he's seen what he thinks it was a good talk and now it's time for the rogue shit list
0: these people are garbage
1: that's right it's the rogue shit list every week we tell you who the shittiest people in america or the world are so without further ado number three cory lewandowski I mean, this fucking guy could be on this list every week. Is there, is there a more insensitive... Uh, just, I, there are so many words for this guy. He's just such a prick. Listen to this. Listen to what he had to say when confronted with a story of a handicapped child on the border. Here's what he had to say.
0: I mean, look, I I read today about a 10-year-old girl with Down syndrome who was taken from her mother and put in a cage. I read about a... a, Did you say want-want to a 10-year-old with Down syndrome being taken from her mother?
1: Can you believe that? That, That's your response? I mean, besides being juvenile, it's like, what kind of sick asshole reacts to something that way? Corey Lewandowski seems like a guy who, like... He, like, hits dogs with, like, one of those small souvenir baseball bats takes one with him and just like whacks puppies he's just gross he's just totally soulless the guy sold out works for big-time billionaires lobbyists and donald trump i mean he is disgusting number two number two is everyone in the gop everybody particularly people like jeff flake bob corker john mccain People who otherwise stand up and say, we can't stand this, we can't believe what's happening in this country, and then vote the polar opposite of what they just said. Jeff Flake and Bob Corker, and to a lesser extent, John McCain, they're just trying to curry favor so when they leave, they don't have fruit thrown at them in the street. But, I mean, Jeff Flake is a senator of a state where the sort of things that are happening are happening, and this guy's sitting back... And doesn't have anything to say about it. And he's apparently found himself and is a new man. Well, I don't believe that. I don't see shit to, to back that up. I see a phony. And for the rest of the GOP, are, are these people, are they that devoid of morality? I, I guess so. But I guess we should have known that years ago. Stop being surprised. Trust a leopard when it shows you its spots. And number one. Number one is America. America should be ashamed of itself that it's even found itself in this situation. That we have found ourselves here. That we've let this, like, troll become president to capture every news story. And to have a program, like, separating kids from their families. Like, what has happened when did we go wrong? That's what I always think about. What what was the point? What was the point that we just decided to cross the Rubicon as a country? And like it or not, I know 60 plus million people did not vote for this. But we did this. I mean, All this stuff is symptomatic of a larger problem. And my point is, when did that happen? When did we decide that we were just going to sell out, stop giving a shit? If anybody has the answer, I'd love to hear it so I can build a time machine and go back and fucking stop it. Because it's a disgrace to be an American right now. It really is. Coming up next. The Interview. And my interview this week is with Andrew Feinberg. He's a White House correspondent for Breakfast Media, and uh, recently he made headlines when he called Trump a liar to his face. Andrew, how are you? Good to have you on.
0: Pretty good. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, no worries. So uh, a lot going on in the news here. Um, Obviously at the forefront of everything is what's been going on on the border with the caged children. Um, what What do you make of this executive order that was signed today by Trump?
0: Well, uh, he's been talking about it at his rally tonight, and he talked about it signing. And, of course, as, as uh, Congressman Ted Mu likes to say, if it's a day that ends in why, the president is lying. <laughs> right. So <laughs> he um, he, ha- he has these signing ceremonies, and he loves to hold up the, the order for the camera like, like he's a two-year-old, oh, mommy, look what I drew, <laughs> and... And a lot of the time, especially early in the administration, but but this order is sort of a throwback to that. He signed orders that really didn't do anything. Right. And this is one that doesn't do anything. Uh, What they're going to do now that they've signed this order is they're trying to go from what people have been calling child concentration camps to what I'm sure people will call family concentration camps – and they're going to go to a judge and ask for permission to do this, and the judge is going to say no. And then he gets to complain about judges again yep. and say you know, if you want judges – basically translated from, from Trumpese – if you want judges that will not stand up to me and will be a rubber stamp because uh, we don't actually believe in rule of law, we believe in rule of Trump – Please vote for Republicans.
1: Yeah. well, I mean, it's all part of the same cycle, but I think what I think what people need to focus on, which you know, you bring up, and uh, a lot of people have been talking about, is sort of the the hollow nature of this executive order and how it really doesn't do anything. I don't know if you saw this, but news broke a little bit ago. Jacqueline Allman, he said, uh, a health and human her- services official. Uh, told us there will not be special efforts made to reunite the children who have already been separated from their policies from their families because of the zero tolerance policy despite Trump's executive order. So I mean again it's just it's more noise. These
0: people these people can't help them can't help themselves from just shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. They just they just can't not be Mean-spirited, but that's, that, I mean, that
1: that raises an interesting question. Do you do you think do you think the impetus for these actions? Uh, be, I mean, and and I just so we're clear, I do think they come from a evil, mean place. Do you w- what do you think the rationale is here behind this sort of stuff?
0: Well, I, I think at the at the very core of it is a profound disrespect for the idea of rule of law. Right. Uh, what the president and his allies describe as loopholes uh, are not loopholes. They are case law and they are legislation that are designed to protect the rights of immigrants. Yes, immigrants have rights.
1: Yeah, I know it's hard for people and to uh, on that side to 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 stomach that that concept. So. You know, on that point, where where does this for you? Where does this this end? And and when I say this, I sort of mean this idea of constantly bending the fabric of this country. This is probably the most egregious thing we've seen in the past year and a half. Uh, but but for you, oh, where does this where does this go? I mean, does it get worse than this?
0: Uh, well, when you said where it ends for me, I I, I thought. You wanted me to say that it ends with my head in an oven from stress, <laughs> but uh, where 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 it ends where where this story ends uh, for for this administration, in my opinion, is like many other things that could end this way, in in a constitutional crisis.
1: Yeah, but that but that, that, that that's term a, gets th- yeah it gets thrown around a lot. It's a broad term. So what do you what do you, what do you define that is, as?
0: What, what I define what I define a constant crisis as – and I'm, I'm not a constitutional scholar. I, I have you know a, a year and a half of law school under my belt. I, I know more than some people, less than a lot of people. But what, what I defined it as is a moment where we as a nation and our elected representatives who govern this nation have to make a choice. Between rule of law and rule of one man's whims,
1: but haven't we been kind of doing that? Haven't we already been dealing with that for a year and a half? Haven't yes. We, right. So, so I, when does it? Yes, but but here's here's the thing:
0: there have been guardrails. The courts have been a guardrail, and his his own incompetence has has been a guardrail because you know he he does not read he does not have any desire to learn details or learn the nuances of the many important issues that he must deal with as our nation's chief executive because that might expose him to ideas that contradict his Predisposition to conspiracy-minded thinking <laughs> and
1: his never-ending victimhood complex. Right. Well, uh, so on on that, obviously, you know, we could we could spend days talking about the psychology of Trump, or maybe actually only a few minutes, really, because it's it's quite simple, but it's horrifying. But yeah, you know, I, I guess I think the question that everybody is on everyone's mind, and has really been on my mind. Uh, with all this going on on the border, is you know, and and this has kind of been the case for everything that's happened under Trump's administration. Is where where do we go from here? And then the anti gets upped. Where do we go from here? And then the anti gets upped. So, do you think this is a, a a breaking point for some people that matter, or do you think this is just kind of business as usual?
0: Yes and no, uh,
1: it's both. Uh, you see
0: some some people like like Steve Schmidt who were in the, the Never Trump column uh, during the election, but still counted themselves as Republicans are, are now saying that's it. I can no longer call myself a Republican. Yeah. And, and you've seen a trickle uh, of that since uh, the first days of the president's administration. But w- what's really what's really happening and what's really horrifying. … is that because of the way the House is gerrymandered to death and because of what is essentially a de facto state media apparatus that operates for the president's benefit I'm, – I'm talking about Fox News, right. I'm talking about One America News – I'm talking about Breitbart. I'm even talking about InfoWars, which used to be a, a crackpot conspiracy site.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And and now is, I think, just as dangerous as any others. And maybe your, your readers may not know that, that before I, I was covering the White House for this organization I work for now, I spent a little bit of time working for the Russian uh, newswire service, Sputnik. I took that job um after assurances that I'd be able to just do the job, and it turned out to be a propaganda outlet more so than than what I had you know, what I had known about the the website division, which is, was different from the part of the office I worked in going in. And there came a point where they asked me to do something. I said no, and they fired me, which was fine by me at the time. Right. And so, so I I know a little bit about this stuff. And it it worries me, and it worries me more than it worries a lot of people, and it should worry many people more because what is going on? This country has survived in part because of a free and adversarial press Mm -hmm. holding leaders accountable, and what is happening now? Is the culmination of something that began after Watergate. Yep. Well, when that was, Nixon yeah. partisans, when when Nixon partisans blamed the media, blamed the press for Nixon's downfall, as opposed to blaming the fact that Nixon was a criminal.
1: Right. Well, and you're saying, and, and, and the the irony is that you're seeing so many of those retreads, you know, reemerge right now. Roger Stone, you know. Uh, yes, Cheney, Rumsfeld, Bolton—those people have been around forever, and their their mission has always been the same. So, I, I agree with you. Yes. It's it's a dire it is a dire time for the most important uh, institution in this country, the the press. I mean, look at what's happening to the New York Times. Have you have you have you been kind of following anything there with the the weakening of their their sort of once you know, kind of mainstream centrist liberalism. They, they're they going, they're moving, they're moving to the right. I mean, dropping, kicking that story about Stephen Miller the other day, that interview with him. You see that?
0: Oh, well, I mean, that, that that's that's a, uh, not exact what happened. They they recorded audio for a podcast, but they didn't tell them they were recording for the podcast. They told them they were recording. Yeah, but still, like I fuck record them, almost every interview. No, not not fuck them. I'm I'm actually. And this might be the only time I'll say this. I'm I'm with Stephen Miller on this one. Wow. Because the the one the one thing that that you have as a journalist is your uh, not necessarily you know integrity. Because everyone at the Times has integrity. You know, they're 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 great reporters. Uh, you know to a person, every each and every one. But sort of a, a candor. It's it's kind of like uh, what. What happened with with Andrew McCabe? Not the stuff about the president complaining about his wife, but the whole lack of candor thing. Mm-hmm. If you if you tell someone you're recording inter- an interview, but you don't tell someone that you're going to use their voice in a podcast, well, that's a that's a
1: big deal. I guess my I guess my point is, and I, and I understand when you're talking about traditional media rules. My point is that the New York Times, and I I didn't really phrase that right when I said it, but the New York Times is sort of found itself in a state where they keep capitulating to the administration. Oh, yes. And that's 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 kind of my point. That's a different matter.
0: The whole industry is. Yeah. The whole industry is because, I mean, I I don't know another way to put it. We have been browbeaten. Right. We have been browbeaten for 40 years. Liberal media, liberal media, liberal media, liberal media. (laughs) And so what we do, you know, what we do is we don't always look for objectivity we look for balance and they are not the same thing despite what people on the right will tell you and it's only people on the right talking about this
1: exactly uh, because
0: because i mean you have one you have one party in this country that for the most part believes in an objective reality and verifiable facts and the idea that the truth is the truth is the truth and you have one party that is you know the living extension of what uh, I think it was uh, Cheney or, or or someone told Ron Susskind during the Bush years uh, when they said you live in the reality based community. We're, 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 we're an empire now. We make our own reality. Yeah. You know this. The, the, that's what's going on in, in in the Republican Party, and what the press, what, what many of my colleagues do, and and I I respect my colleagues a great deal. I mean. You know the the things that you know my, my better sourced colleagues do. I'm in awe of a lot of the time. They they do amazing work. The Post and the Times and everyone else. Everyone works hard, does the job honorably, but we have conflated objectivity with balance. Right, and that is why you saw Hillary Clinton email stories. All of last year, yeah, exactly. Or twenty twenty sixteen, because if all that happened was you had a boring, boring candidate, Hillary Clinton, against Trump, whose you know mouth runs a scandal per rally, and all the stories about the president or about the then candidate that accurately report the things he say are you know they're neg- they're negative stories because he says negative things
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. then then that's it's true. You do you do not have balance in your in your coverage. You have balance in the in the stories by reaching out to the campaign for comment and reaching out to the Clinton campaign, to the DNC, to the RNC. You have balance in individual stories. But what a lot of my colleagues institutions do is they balance their coverage by looking for equivalent scandals or equivalent
1: negative when there, when there isn't, and and there isn't anything. And I I think that is, and I think that is definitely a flaw. And I, and I, and I think that Trump and Republicans writ large have taken advantage of that. And are, they know that they know take advantage of it. They, they, they demand it. They right. drive it. Right.
0: You, have, you have a conservative media industry, and, and don't get me wrong. There are many reporters who work for conservative outlets who do very good work and who are talented and who would succeed anywhere. But a lot of these institutions, they specialize in creating what, what I like to call, for lack of a better word, not scandal scandals.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, trafficking um, in things that take up that basically hollow stories that, that generate clicks right. and don't actually lead to anything, for sure. Um, well, you know, right. and and I hate to make, I you know, every episode of this podcast and everything I say on Twitter, a lot of people say, oh, you sound cynical. You sound like you're not hopeful. Well, you know, when you start talking about these kind of things and you really start diving deep on what, is actually happening and thinking about the possibilities it's hard to be optimistic it, it's very easy to be cynical when the reality is so staggeringly you know outrageous bleak. and bleak it, exactly so you know i want to well, i want to ask you a few i want to ask you not not to cut you off we, we don't have a ton of time so i want to ask you a few questions from twitter that some people had some some great questions oh here. god
0: let's do it
1: <laughs> nothing crazy um, so Eldrin Phoenix asks, voting is a long way off, and petitions and marches get ignored by them, meaning the Trump administration. What will it actually take to get all this to stop? Which I think is the million-dollar question.
0: Voting. I'm sorry, but we have an election every two, uh, every two years for, for the House of Representatives and one-third of the Senate and every four years for the president.
1: Yeah, And
0: when you have an administration that, for the most part, uh, rejects the idea that they should be accountable, held accountable by the press, uh, considers protests and outrage by most of the country, a sign that they're on the right track, <laughs> the only thing you can do – you is, is show up and vote now. Just a have a caveat here. I don't vote.
1: Um, Why not?
0: There 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 are two schools of thought in, in in journalism. One is that you have the right to vote and it's okay, and you have a right to you know, to your opinion in, in in the sanctity of you know in the safety of the ballot box, and that is a perfectly fine view. I take the view that if you. If you vote for an office where you are likely to cover the winner – and this is, frankly, the fault of the, fault of the right that, that, that I don't feel I can, I can do that because if, if I happen to vote for, for a Democrat – and for the record, in, in years when I, when I did vote,
1: you've I been, voted you've for been un- candidates
0: of both parties
1: You've been unemployed. Uh, regularly. When you vote, you're unemployed. It's the only time. Right. Uh,
0: no, no. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I no. I, I, I do I do fill out some offices on, some offices on, on my ballot. Um, I cover I I cover the federal government. Right. And so for the most part, I've left federal offices blank. Uh, this upcoming election, I will leave out the federal uh, or the Maryland governor's race because I wrote a profile of one of the
1: candidates for for a local paper here. Well, see, I think that's very um, fa- I think that's really fair. and I think that's an honorable stance to take. and I you know, I don't think well, thank you. yeah, I, I truly I do I think because that I mean you're a person who you're I mean not to I, mean, you're a throwback to like when people who were in media were actually like, you know what, we're here on the sidelines essentially acting as referees and having an, an objective take on things. I, I like that. I think that's really a fascinating standpoint. I got no problem with well, that. Well
0: thank, well, thank you. I, I mean, and, and I really reject this idea that, and you know, I've, I've gotten called a, a, far, a far left shill and, and yada yada, and I, I reject that. It, uh, my job, as one of my colleagues put it, quoting H.L. Mencken, was to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. And and you know that means whoever is in power, you shine a flashlight up up their butt, stick your thumb in their eye,
1: yeah, and make sure
0: they're doing the right and make sure they're doing the right thing. And people who complain, oh, you didn't cover this with Obama, you didn't do this with Obama, you you worshipped Obama. Now, now, I didn't cover the Obama White House. I, I spent most of that time on the Hill. But to that I say, bullshit. Yeah. You know how everyone knows about all of the – you know what, what conservative media tried to turn into you know, these non-scandal scandals? They know about it because of beat reporters at mainstream publications. That's how they know about this stuff. Mm-hmm. We don't use the breathless tone of, say, you know, the the Daily Caller or, or places like that. And not to say a Daily Caller doesn't have or hasn't produced some good reporters, but you know, we don't. Just because we don't use that, that tone about, you know, who, who is essentially a boring Democrat. Right. That you know, I mean, Obama was boring
1: yeah well born. in, you, in, you in have, a good way in a good way so yeah, if you, i i'm sorry to keep i'm yeah. sorry to keep cutting you off i want to ask i want to keep asking no you it's okay questions. go ahead okay. Keep <laughs> going. Keep going. i'll try to be more brief um so kimbalena asks this is a good one i'd like to know why the press attends the white house press conferences anymore it's all bs i'd love to see them walk out every time they lie. come on journalists be oh, the heroes I, we need
0: I, I, oh okay um respond my response to that you don't know what you're talking about and i say that respectful i say that respectfully uh, one of the crackpot krasenstein brothers made the same suggestion on on twitter i think i think last night um they're a pair of
1: oh yeah uh, no, the krasenstein absolutely poten-
0: potential you know possibly grifters who style themselves uh, you know journalists who cover the federal government but live in 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 Ed, Florida Ed and Hardy, write about Bitcoin. Ed Hardy.
1: Yeah, Ed Hardy journalists. Um, <laughs> something like that. So so you, yeah, I mean that that's a fair answer, right? Well, it's your job. Yeah. You can't you can't you know you can't treat it like that. Well, even even when well, it's at a state you, like this. Well,
0: yeah, I mean well, well, one thing for one thing. You know, the standing up and walking out when she lies, or, or stop. You know, to for everyone to stop going. It'd be a temper tantrum, and it's what they want. Exactly. You know why they want it because for you know there are 49 seats in the briefing room, and right now there are three people from Fox. There's there's one person. From OAN, um, you know, there's a guy you know, from Newsmax, John Gizzi, who is is actually an honorable man and a veteran journalist and one of the smartest guys in that room. But my point in in naming that outlet is there are uh, you know a number of, of validly conservative outlets in that room who you know whose talent usually sees their job as defending the president. And if everyone gets up and leaves, they're not going to stop holding press briefings. Right. They're just going to bring in Infowars and, and Gateway Pundit and ten reporters from Breitbart. Mike Cernovich.
1: And, Mike Cernovich will be covering yeah. the. Uh, well, he's already been there, actually.
0: Yeah, Mike. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. Once I mean, Mike Cernovich sorry, will be Mike, in the front row. Sorry,
1: Mike. Thurnavith. Mike. Thernovich. Um Yeah, Oh God. Well, Andrew, Andrew, um, Andrew I, wanna, I want to, uh, I want to, I want to thank you for coming on. This is a great talk.
0: Like I said, happy to come back anytime.
1: That was a great talk. Andrew, he's a smart guy. He's got a lot to say. He's got got a lot of great points. I, I particularly think it's interesting that he, he says he doesn't vote. Now, I mean, I hope that he fucking votes against Trump in November. I really hope so. But I think there is some honor in, in him, him recognizing the role of media, which is to be a, a referee and to be objective. And he's absolutely right that what – News media has become is this sort of seesaw where you have to pick sides and you have to kind of show that you're on both sides. And my point about the New York Times was not so much that the particular aspects of of spiking the Stephen Miller podcast interview thing. It's that they it's that their reaction. To the Trump administration is not always just like fingers up. Fuck you. Fuck you there. They're, and I recognize they have jobs to do, but at a certain point, truth trumps access. That's kind of my point. And I, I feel like what the, the media has been put in a very bad situation because of this, but they've also kind of made it themselves. So a lot of what, you know, the right has to say about the media is kind of rooted in that sentiment. It's certainly not, they're not evil, bad people, but I think that they're opportunists. And I think, I think that if if they don't stand up more, because they certainly do stand up, but if they universally do not stand up more, we're, they're just going to get trampled. They, they need to, like, the New York Times needs to realize, like, these are not their friends. It's an adversarial job. I mean, look at the media during the Obama administration. Certainly there were many sycophants, but, like, you talk to a lot of people in the news media, they will tell you, like, there was a sense that they were adversaries and I think that's the case now and I think Donald Trump recognizes that but I th- but he has some sort of pull with some of these people so yeah well it was re- it, it was a good talk and I, I I definitely agree with him on a lot of things I, I, I think he's a smart guy you should definitely check out um, breakfast media and his Twitter feed he's 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 on it he's got a lot of great A lot of great tweets. He's very aggressive. I like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, things are rough. We got to come together in November. We got to make some real changes. And it starts with you. It starts with us. It starts with the people you know. It starts with the people they know. We we can we can get out of this mess can absolutely get out of it. It, It's just important to talk about how fucking terrible it is. But we can get out of it. But like he said, the answer is voting. That's it. There's no other way around this. Gotta vote. Gotta vote. Gotta vote. That's my show. Thanks for tuning in. We'll have another one next week.
0: Listen, I don't want a president.
1: Let me know what you think. I love talking with you
0: we'll talk warm soon outside, but i love one when the one that comes to search is cold and tough and we'll make the right decision
1: that's my show thanks for tuning in we'll have another one next week
0: listen i don't want a president
1: let me know what you think i love talking with you
0: warm on the I want one we'll talk soon but i love one do when the one that comes to search for is cold and tough and we'll make the right decision.